A man comes home one evening after working a super long day and he's tired and he's agitated and he's greeted at the door by his five-year-old son. And immediately his son starts popping off questions. The first one was, Daddy, how much money do you make? The man said, why would you ask me that? That's none of your business. And then the little boy in response said, well, I'm just curious, Daddy. And so he says, well, if you must know, I make $50 an hour. So the little boy hung his head down low and then looked up at his dad and said, do you mind if I borrow $25? (laughs) The man got furious and he yelled at his son and he sent him off to, to the bedroom. But as he sat there for a while, he thought, maybe I was a little bit hard on the boy. You know, he never asked for anything. And so after about an hour, he went into the bedroom and he cracked the door and he says, son, are you still awake? And he hears the little voice say, yes, daddy. And the man goes and sits on the edge of the bed and he says, son, you know, I think I was a little hard on you earlier. You never asked for anything, so I just wanted to bring you the $25 that you asked for. And the little boy sat up elated and he, he took the money from his dad and then he tossed over his pillow and he grabs another wad of cash. Well, his dad starts getting frustrated again because why was he asking for money when he already had some? And so he said, why would you do this to me? Like, if you already had this money, why did you need more? And he said, well, Daddy, I I didn't have enough money beforehand. And the dad says, for what? And he goes, for an hour of your time. And then he holds up the money to his dad and says, do you mind if we have dinner tomorrow night? That story has the probability of being played out in every American home. And it's a story that reminds me that no matter how old or how young someone is, we're all desiring presence in an increasingly absent world. And what's funny about this is that um, our population is increasing. Like we are constantly in the presence of others. We're surrounded by people. Uh, This zip code alone where the church is has increased 36% in population over the last 18 years. 36%. And yet, as we're surrounded by more people, as more people inhabit the same area as we do, we still, still feel lonely. We still feel as though we're facing everything on our own. I mean, we can be surrounded by people and yet feel absolutely alone. And our culture seems to be uh, okay with absence. I mean, we conduct interviews and and business meetings over Skype and FaceTime. We prefer to text over talking face-to-face. I'm the same way. I mean, even taking it into a little bit of a different direction, and and just hear me out on this, uh, teen pregnancy rates right now are declining, which is a great thing, okay? That's a great thing. You should all be happy about that. But the reason why is because teens today are not interacting with each other like they did 15 years ago. You go and and you you see in the world as you walk out there uh, intellectual and emotional absence as people are desiring presence. Go into a restaurant sometime and see how many people are sitting in groups and yet actually talking to one another. Rather, they're sitting there looking at their phones at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. I'm guilty of it. We're okay with absence. Spouses are desiring presence with their partners. Children are desiring presence with their parents. Friends are desiring presence with one another. And yet what we're constantly faced with is absence. 
And all that we're doing in desiring presence is kind of asking two key questions. Does anyone care and do I matter? And when we're constantly presented with the answer of absence, the answer to those questions are are pretty bleak. I'd say that we are all desiring God's presence as well. It's no different from anything else. I I would go so far as to say that Christians and non-Christians alike are desiring presence from God or some higher power to know that someone else cares and to know that they matter. The prophet Malachi, not Malachi, the prophet Malachi talks about God. He prophecies about what the future will be like, and and he doesn't point to an absent God by any means. In fact, he points to a real and present God. Uh, The first thing Malachi talks about in our reading for today is that there's going to be this messenger who comes to prepare the way. And you heard almost a similar saying in Luke 3. We know that Malachi was talking about John the Baptist. But John the Baptist is not God. He's not the main guy. He's not the reason that we're gathered here today. Uh, Malachi talks about another messenger that comes after him. And, And Malachi refers to him as the messenger of the covenant But we don't use the word covenant very often, so think of it this way, that there's going to be this messenger of the promise. And Malachi lists out a few of the promises that are attached to his coming, refining. He compares compares this messenger with fire and soap, that this guy is going to come and he's going to purify. He's going to use fire and soap to clean people up. And when you start really looking at that, you start to look in the New Testament then and you connect the dots and you realize that this messenger of the promise is Jesus Christ. And we celebrate his coming in Advent. This, this messenger who's coming is going to purify us. He's going to refine us so that we can become presentable offerings before God. And maybe you're sitting here thinking right now, well, I'm pretty presentable. I mean, you're all dressed fairly nice, and yet, in all reality, what God is talking about, what needs to be presentable is not what you look like on the outside, it's what's in your heart. And if you really think about that, I mean, if you really paid attention to what you were confessing, maybe you'll start to realize that you're not as good as you think you actually are. And so the promise of this messenger who comes and and refines and purifies is good news because it shows us that we're not going to have to do it on our own. And and in, in fact, we don't. When Jesus comes into the world, it doesn't stop at the manger. It goes to the cross. And as, as Jesus hangs on the cross and pours himself out, we see the fulfillment of the promise that God will no longer be absent with people. What we see on the cross is presence, a presence that we desperately need all the time. We're all desiring presence in some way. We're desiring presence from God. And the beautiful thing is that when we look at the story between the manger and the cross, as we see how much God loves us and the fact that he wants to be present with us. And we go back to those questions, does anyone care and do I matter? What God says is yes, I do care and you do matter and because I care and because you matter, I'm willing to come down myself to save you from everything that you've wrecked. And the beautiful thing is, is that we don't have to pay God for his presence like the little boy in that story. Rather, it's quite different. God pays for 
his presence with us by blood on the cross. And it comes comes back around to every day in our life where we reflect on that presence that we start to realize in all the good times and all the bad times and all the times in between, Christ is present with us. He's not going anywhere. We do not have an absent God. And we see him all over the place. At this time of year, we celebrate Jesus in the manger being present with us. It's called incarnational love. Love put on flesh. We know that he's present on the cross where he pours himself out for us. We know that he's present in the word because the word of God is powerful. He's he's present in the waters of baptism where he comes and makes us his own. He's present in communion where he gives himself to each and every one of us as he reminds us that we are forgiven. But how does that presence change your life? Let Let me ask a few questions. Are you being present with others in your life? Are are you putting on the incarnational love that you've seen in Jesus Christ? Because as I think, if we as Christians did that, if we as Christians lived the mission that God has given us, I think our world would change. If spouses were more present with one another, we would see a huge drop in divorce. If parents were more present with their children, I don't think kids would be making foolish choices about drugs and sex and alcohol. We would have a generation being raised up who knew what unconditional love was. If we were more present in our communities, I I think you could see neighborhoods change and crime go down. But think about this one. What if you were more present with non-Christians, people who aren't here? If we were more present with the people who are outcasts or don't know Jesus' love, we could see more people in paradise than we would right now. The world does not need absent Christians or an absent God. The world needs incarnational love, love that puts on flesh. We need a present God, and we need present Christians. Be that presence as you remember that Jesus loves you, and so do I. Amen.